0: Lord be with you. Let us pray, our heavenly Father. We once again we just thank you for your Word, Uh, that sword that comes from your mouth that uh, that pierces uh, between soul and spirit, uh, bone and marrow, Lord, right to the very core of our being. And we pray that you would take it there today, that you would write your law on our hearts, Lord God. Uh, Take our hearts of stone and replace them with hearts of flesh, that we might know you, and love you, and serve you, and be salt and light for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, well we have uh, a lot to cover today as we look at the uh, all the rest of Matthew chapter 5. And we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is uh, talking to us about uh, a, a description of the repentant life. He, remember, he began his ministry saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is the description of the repentant life. It does not, this is not how you repent. You don't repent by doing these things. You repent or reconcile to the Lord, and then you, um, and then by His grace we begin, hopefully, to, to, to live in this way. Um, it starts with poverty of spirit. It starts with being uh, blessed to the poor in spirit. If we've come to the end of ourselves and we have received uh, His grace, and so ours is the kingdom of heaven. And we mature in our relationship, but we all, it always starts, we always start every day with uh, poverty of spirit. So in adopting the, these B attitudes, these attitudes that we're supposed to be like, um, we begin to live as salt and light. Remember, salt and light don't, aren't, don't exist for themselves, they exist for others. And then Jesus taught us about the proper attitude of the law. So we looked at all that last week. Um, And then because you cannot obey the law properly, because we cannot obey the law properly, He came to obey the law perfectly uh, and then serve as the sacrifice for our sins. And yet, He says, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And so now He begins to show us that the law is not a matter of external obedience only, but a law of a matter of the heart. I want to read from Jeremiah chapter 31. And I think must have been, I mean, I, I guess I should say I, I would not be surprised if this was uh, in Jesus' mind as He was uh, preparing this sermon. He said, Behold, this is uh, Jeremiah 31, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. He's speaking like a scorned lover, really. And yet, this grace, he says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. So, no longer is the law written on tablets of stone, but on hearts of flesh. Um, And I think this is the entire purpose and the the theme of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, The the law is a a matter of the heart, not just external obedience. So how do we... let's Let's just assume... That we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, but we are still poor in our own spirit. How do we approach the law of God, uh, which defines what righteous living is? It defines what righteous living is. How do we approach it? Well, Jesus gives us six case studies. Six case studies. I don't know if we're going get to get through all of them. but well, We're just going to do our best with each one and see where we, see where we land. He talks about murder and anger, adultery and lust, divorce, um, oaths, promises that we make, justice, retaliation, vindication, and then love. And the pattern is, you have heard it said, but I say to you. You Heard it said, do not murder. Anyone who murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, let me ask you. Assuming that you have read this in the past, do you but do you read it when you read it? Do you think that Jesus is contradicting the law? Is that how it comes across to you? What, what is Jesus doing? Is he contradicting
1: Going deeper.
0: Katie, what, what did you say, Katie? I said, he, I
1: said he's going deeper.
0: He's going deeper. Okay. Good. What else? Is Jesus contradicting the law? Fulfilling the law? Well, He said. He said, I've not come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. Right? So I think that He is taking the law to his natural, its natural conclusions. Now, uh, let me hasten to say that when Jesus says, you have heard it said, that is very different than when Matthew says, it is written. Because He's not quoting the prophets and the law directly. He's, he is contradicting teacher- The teaching of the law that has narrowed the law or situationalized the law uh, has found loopholes and end-arounds to make the law more manageable. And what happens when we uh, approach the law law of God and it is manageable for us? (laughs) we We get proud, don't we? We take control of it. We sit on the throne of our own hearts and say, look at me and look at that guy. He's not doing what I'm doing. So, the point of the law is not simply to make sure people are in line. That is how we so often use it. Now, that social order is a good use of the law. We need the law. We need, like, I, you, we all need for there to be a speed limit, right? Uh, but, uh, we, we need for there to be uh, tax laws and things like that. Those are good things. We need law enforcement. Social order is a good thing. But it's not, the point of the, the law of God is not simply to have, pe- to make sure people are in line, although they will be if they follow uh, God's law. The point is to, of the law is to help people love God. That's the point. To help people love God. And, I mean, we can think of the psalmist who says, you know, i, I it just gushes. I meditate on the law day and night. He loves the law. Why? Because he loves the Lord, and he loves his character, and therefore he wants to live like that. So he so he just thinks about it all the time, how to live that way. The law, as I think you you would know, the law does not qualify us for the kingdom of God. In other words, if you sort of meet X criteria according to the law of God, then you're in. That the law does not qualify because you have to get 100. percent We're going to actually land on be perfect as I am perfect, um, and and we won't. We we've, we've blown it already. You've come in here this morning, your toast. So, um, <laughs> speaking of toast, whoever thinks for whoever bought the, the uh, bagels. So, uh, the um, but the the what the law doesn't qualify us for the kingdom. of God, we we come by poverty of spirit, right? Ours is the kingdom of heaven because we are relying on a savior now. But the law evaluates us within the kingdom of God. It it evaluates us. Jesus is shifting our thinking about the law from governing what we are to do uh, to uh, who we are to be as salt and light. Okay? So if you want you who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you who are a peacemaker, you who are actually being persecuted for righteousness sake, righteousness sake, not a snake, (laughs) sake, that, that you, uh, you want to be salt in life. you want to be to help other people be thirsty for the gospel, um, to be able to see things for how they really are. And so Jesus begins to shift how we think about the law. and I think that he kind of he starts with the sort of overt with a uh, couple of the commandments and he nails us, but then he takes it deeper into a sort of emotive heart level we're just like I said we're going to work through, we're gonna get through as much as we can anger. Verse 21, you've heard it said to to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. That's a pretty reasonable teaching. Right? But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Uh Uh-oh. I don't know why you're laughing. So if you are offering your gift, this is interesting that he takes it, like makes this turn right here because you would, you would kind of think it, expect him to kind of go further with that or alleviate the discomfort that comes with, with what he's just said about uh, being liable to the hell of But he says, but if you're offering your gift at the altar and you there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come off your gift. Come to terms quickly. That's, then he kind of changes the subject a little bit Uses a different illustration. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going to him, with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you put in prison. And truly I say to you, you never get out until you pay the last penny. And it's real hard to pay pennies from prison. Right. All right. So it might seem fairly straightforward. Don't kill anybody. All right. That's that's a, that's a good law. We need that law for societal order. But the old teaching isn't concerned so much with preserving life. The old teaching is concerned with preserving self by avoiding judgment. All right. So it says, if you murder, you're going to get be under the judgment of God and be under judgment. It's not concerned with Hey, there's a, we're talking about a person's life here. Like, that's made in the image of God. It's precious in his sight. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Uh, the teaching is really concerned. And and again, there's some value in that. I, I mean, if I don't speed, it's so I don't get caught. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's, <laughs> that's, um, that's, I mean, when? I mean, all, all the time, of course. But, um,. We're to love our neighbors ourselves. So Jesus is showing that the same heart that leads to homicide and thus to judgment actually begins with hatred. It begins with anger. In fact, it begins with selfishness, ultimately. But that's the headwaters. And Jesus says, don't worry about what comes out of the mouth of the river. Go to the very source. Go to the source. I do not think that Jesus is saying that, that anger is equal in God's sight to murder. I mean, we say, I mean, the scripture actually says, in your anger, do not sin. I mean, we, we expect anger. It's a, it's a human emotion. But it is one that opens the door very quickly to ungodly behavior and ungodly thoughts. It is the same disposition uh, of heart for division, for isolation. I mean, I hadn't really, it's not in my notes, but I just think about this, what they call the cancel culture where we just um, we're not seeking to to reform anybody to, to build a relationship to uh, we're just going to cut them off completely. It's the same spirit. It's the same heart. I hate those guys. Gosh, I hate those guys. I mean, me too. Like I've done. You know, I wish I'd love to say to you that I I don't do that anymore. Um, uh, no, I do. Where does that lead me? Back to poverty of spirit. And Jesus gives two illustrations. About the proper attitude for loving our neighbors. I mean, that's really what I think this is sourced in, and certainly what the commandment uh, is sourced in. Uh, Incidentally, I had somebody, uh, I had a, a friend who said, um, "We got real nervous," so, because this friend had another friend who would call people fools all, often. I was just sort of, "It's awesome! You, what a fool! That guy's a fool! You fool!" Like that's just kind of something they said, and my friend got real nervous about that. You said you should you shouldn't say you fool. I'm like, that's an English translation of another word. Like that's that's not it's the heart behind it. It's not the it's not the word that's the problem. It's it's the heart that, that is uh, taking judgment into our own hands. So we be clear about, about that. Um two illustrations. If you're making an offering at the church, if you're writing out your check, you're gonna put it in the plate, and you re- remember that there's somebody to whom you're not reconciled. If your brother has something against you, it doesn't say if you got something against your brother. I said, isn't that interesting? Because if if you think there's somebody that has a problem with me, I haven't really done anything wrong. But it's their problem. Just that's their problem. Let them deal with it. This says, put your checkbook back in. I'm not sure that's great advice, y'all. But I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I guess it is. Okay, put. Leave your offering. I mean, he's talking about burnt offerings, of course, but but the thing, and also the tithes that they offer to the temple. Leave your offering there and go and seek reconciliation. You know, that's what the peace is for, actually, not just to stretch our legs and wave. (laughs) But it actually is a a moment in the service for reconciliation before we come to the altar. Do you know that? That's what it's for. It's called the peace. So you can go make peace with someone before you come and take communion. What if they're not there? Then don't take communion. Come and get a blessing. Go seek them out this week. Reconcile on Tuesday. Come on Tuesday afternoon. I'll give you communion. We got something. I'll give it to you. That's pretty, I mean, that's taking it to, we don't really think about that. We just go through the service. We wave at our neighbors. Think about if there's somebody that has something against you. Why is it? This is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. As far as it depends on you, now you're like me. I've gone to people. I said, "Hey, listen, I, I, I'm sorry, you know, I, and I, I can't tell you that I'm I, that I really think what I do is wrong. But what I can tell you is I'm so sorry that I hurt your feelings, and I am, um, I really love you, and want to be reconciled." And they say, "Go away. I don't want to be reconciled to you. You may you hurt my feelings." As far as it depends on you, you're not bound from the altar at that point. But just always seek reconciliation. Why? Because we love, our, we love our neighbors as we love ourselves because we're salt and light. Our desire is to gather in and, and welcome rather than to isolate and prove our own uh, righteousness, rightness, right? As far as it depends on you. All right, questions about or comments about anger or about the law in itself? Y'all got this one down pat. All right. Good. <laughs> Good. All right, lust. Let's just skip that one. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. And of course it was said. It was read. It it's one of the commandments. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, and it works both ways, you know, not just men to women, but women to men too, Everyone who looks at one with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. (laughs) He doesn't just say, stop it. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members, body parts, than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body going to hell. That's <laughs> the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I mean, come on. Give us something. Can right. I ask you something? Ask me. Ask away.
1: When you talk about lustful intent, is that a man looking at a woman and saying, boy, she's really got a nice figure and look at her pretty eyes and, or is it I want to take her to bed?
0: What do you think, Susan? <laughs> I, think
1: it's it's, I think it's when you go the full joke.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, I think, so the question, if you can hear, is, is um, are we just saying, wow, and moving on? <laughs> or are we lingering in our thoughts and, and undressing in our minds. I would say it's the same principle as the first example. This is, a good again, because we're talking about commandments. And I think Jesus is talking about this because anger is so natural to us, and so is lust. And I certainly can't speak to how it works in a woman's mind, but I know how it works in a man's mind. And you don't mean to do it. You're five minutes into those thoughts until before you even realize what you're doing. I can remember driving down the road one time, it's just this is a long time ago, but it could have been last week. But it, but um, <laughs> and I and I just I just kind of you know went like that, and, and Amy was sitting next to me. She goes, well, I mean, what she look like? What do you think? And I I,
1: just, I, I, just, I didn't even know. I didn't even know I was doing it.
0: Terrible. It's terrible. Um, I was, I was I was just seeing if I knew her. I I thought I looked um. Uh, She's
1: about our age. I just wanted to see if I knew
0: who that was. Thou shalt not lie. All right. Um, all right. So the goal is not simply to get through life without having an affair. Although I will say that is a good goal. Yes. All right. That's a good goal to have. It's the heart behind the action. That's the target that Jesus is after. Okay. Now let's say, let's say, I'm just going to say, um, uh, um, from a percentage basis, statistically speaking, somebody in here is having an affair. And, I mean, we're got, there's nothing that we can't be forgiven from. Okay, I just want to I I be really... We're going to talk about adultery in just a minute and divorce and oh, sticky wicket. But I'm just going to... Uh, there's nothing we can't be forgiven from. Okay, so the, the Greek word that is translated lust is actually not even sexual. It's about greed. It's about idolatry. It's about I have to have that. I want that. I, I, I want to exert my power to take that. This will fulfill me and make me the, the person that I, the man or the whatever, the, whatever, it's going it make me what I want to be or I think that I ought to be. It's, it's, self, it's a self-filling word. And adultery is only selfish it's only selfish Now know I'm not saying that we can't have good excuses about like you know I'm not fulfilled or my spouse is uh, having an affair too or whatever it is ultimately we've made vows before God it doesn't matter what our spouse has done it's ours to it's ours to, 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 um, to to reconcile to restore the marriage Uh, Adultery is shirking one's vows in favor of one's own own desires. It's impossible to be in an an adulterous affair that is self-giving. If you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for, it's impossible to do that in an adulterous affair. It's only selfish. Um, It can only be taken. It's, of course, hurtful to our spouse. It does not not say that, that our spouse hadn't already hurt us. Because listen, marriage is... I, I love my wife. She would be the first to tell you. I mean, she'd stand right up here and say, marriage is hard. It is hard work. It is... Um, uh, the spark... It doesn't take too long before the spark goes away. You've got to build that thing. And you've got to live through some dark times. Now, um, it, it is... It is... Um, I don't mean to sound like it's terrible. Working on it and building something stronger is, is great. And sometimes... Sometimes it's probably best to put it aside. I don't think divorce is wrong or the um, not the best option in every in every case. I think that there are some times that, that that's just the probably the best thing for everybody. Yes, Charlotte.
1: I, I've always thought that if your marriage got to the point that it was that bad, that you would be on the verge of committing adultery, that it would be better... To get divorced than to, I mean, would be better than to break the vow
0: that you made that you were going to stay, you know, loyal to that person. I mean, yeah, so Charlotte said the, um, she's always thought that it's, if you're about, you're on the break, you're about at that place where you would commit adultery, it's better just to get divorced. That's probably true, or we're going to talk about divorce in just a minute. is essentially, that doesn't alleviate you according to God's law. The, um, but yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, I think that, um, that, again, marriage is really painful. You know, I can't. I mean, wonderful. Don't get me wrong. I mean,
1: <laughs> but
0: no, it, here's what I mean. I mean, when it's bad, it's really bad. When it's good, it's really good. But when it's bad, it's really bad. It's like, I mean, it's sort of like our children. I mean, the relationships that we love the most and have the most invested in and give us the highest highs and the lowest lows. So I, I just want to acknowledge that it's, it's, it's hard. Yes? Well, I think that... One thing is that uh, that I found is when I talk to people is that uh, if they lose
1: Christ as the focus of the relationship is when the relationship
0: goes back. And, and I think that a lot of this applies to the fact that um, if we love Christ, these things come a lot easier. And the thing about in your mind, about being in your mind is because if you stop those thoughts then they don't become part of your character but if you allow them even to keep dwelling in your mind it's a proven fact that child abusers or anything else that they start out thinking about stuff constantly 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 and they start acting on it a little bit acting on it a little bit more and they keep feeding it it's like the you know the lion and the bear whichever one you feed mm-hmm. that's the one that's going to grow well I, I mean I, I don't want to say that, I, that um, there haven't been people Who've gone through divorce that actually kept their eyes on Christ, Matt. But I know what you're. I know what you're saying, and, and I and I, I think we, we want to qualify that. But I think you're. I think you're, uh, oh, you're right. I do also think there's some. There can be really healthy marriages that aren't aren't Christians. Uh, you know, really good, compatible things. However, um, Christians are are just as susceptible to anybody else. And I think that um, that what Jesus is, is saying, is that um, the repentant heart. Uh, cuts itself off from adulterous inclinations. I mean, that's we, we take each thought captive, and so we want when we recognize that when we're de- driving down the road, uh, we want to be able to recognize where our heart is and draw our mind back to our, to Christ and to our um, and to our vows that that we've made um, in order to love those that we have committed to love. Right. I, I
1: wonder if many people that were there when he made this declaration. Uh, Took their eyes out and cut
0: off their hand. <laughs> what Sissy said. I wonder if many people took it just right there. Took their eyes out and, and cut off their hand. I, Jesus is not saying to self mutilate. Um, and and you know it's important. Uh, it, it's important um, to to know when when we're when we're getting uh, the scripture that we're to take literally and when we're to take it metaphorically. And, and and there have been people in history who have done this, uh, you know, who have taken it literally. Uh, but again, the eye is not the problem. And, and Jesus wouldn't say that the eye is the problem. What's the problem? It's the heart and the mind, you know, Yes, yeah, it. But what he's saying is uh, that, that uh, purity is a big deal. Purity is a big deal. Nip it in the bud. In this Gospel according to Barney Fife, right? Nip it in the bud. Um, and, and so uh, we don't what he he's just, he's not saying to actually cut out your eyes. he's saying um, when you recognize that in yourself, you want to uh, as Paul said, flee sexual immorality. Uh, and that's tell you what um, when all of us, I mean it's very difficult to escape this life without some sort of sexual brokenness, whether it be uh, divorce or some sort of hurt or Sin or sin against, it's, it's very very hard to escape this life. Not many have. But it's hard. It's hard. So Jesus says, uh, you're salt and light. That's, that's the thing to remember. It's not about what you're, you can't do. It's about what you are. You're salt and light. So nip it in the bud. Divorce. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Remember, uh, Jesus is confronted another time, I think it's by the Sadducees, uh, saying uh, he's asked about divorce. Moses said, give a certificate of divorce. And Jesus said, that's because y'all have hard hearts. That's why Moses said that. (laughs) But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Well, I, I, I'm just not lost on me. That nails several people in this room, you know. Um, but Jesus, in a male-dominated culture, um, where Jesus, the teaching is been, seems to have been give the teaching that Jesus is contradicting seems to have been um, giving men the easy way out of marriage. Women couldn't do it. Offer a certificate of divorce. <laughs> If, if men were unhappy or unsatisfied, they could leave her. It was terrible for the wife. And Jesus is saying, if you divorce your wife, unless she has already committed adultery, you're making her an um, No, And no one wants to think of ourselves that way. We don't like this, but the onus here is on the man to protect the woman he's committed himself to. Um, even if he's unsatisfied. I mean the Jesus assumption is that you you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to be responsible for putting someone else under God's judgment. I admit and I understand we don't think of it like this anymore. I'm I've married many people uh, in second or even third marriages and it is um, it is important that they own their stuff and repent. It doesn't mean they can't be forgiven. They are you are forgiven. Again, it, it it's not if you're an adulterer, you're out of the kingdom of God. What gets us in the kingdom of God is grace. The husband's job, even if he is dissatisfied, is to protect his wife. Now, I think that I think that again, it cuts both ways, especially in our society. And marriages can survive affairs. I don't think Jesus is merely saying that it, um, that an affair justifies divorce when he says, "Except for it. that's that's the word, sexual immorality, Pornea is the word." In our, I mean, I, we typically think the man is much more likely, um, in, in, but but I, I guess not. That's that's not said well. You know what I mean. I hope. Adultery is bad. But it doesn't keep us out of heaven. What keeps us out of heaven? An unrepentant heart. And we have all seen beautiful, God honoring, blessed, second, third, fourth. I don't know marriages. Why? Because there's a wideness in God's mercy. It doesn't mean he doesn't care. He loves you, but it's important to own our stuff. I won't marry somebody in, into a second marriage if they haven't gone to see a counselor and, and owned their part of the marriage. That's, that's, uh, and that's not nothing noble on my part. It does tick some people off. a lot of, I've been told many times, oh wow, hmm, thanks. see you later. <laughs> not see you later. right? Um, I've never seen him again.
1: What do you mean by they haven't,
0: they haven't owned it? Uh, I mean, like when they said, well, we got a divorce. We just grew apart. I mean, it was no big, no big deal. Or, or it was their fault or something. It, you got to own your stuff. And so that's above my training and pay grade. They need to get a counselor. So, but they got I won't do it if they haven't, because they've got, got to own our stuff. Again, this is not saying what you have to do. This is saying you're salt and light. It's a matter of the heart. Okay. All right. So, what um, what do I need to say better? I feel, I feel like, is it hot in here? You know. Like, <laughs> 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 um, What's the pushback? Questions. Two don't become one flesh very easily. Well, two don't unbecome one flesh very easily that's either. Correct. Yes. That's, that's, that's correct. correct. Once you become one flesh. I've never talked to anybody who's been, I've been talking a lot of people who've been through divorce, many of you, I mean, but nobody's been through divorce that wasn't painful, even if they were ready to get out. Yeah. So that growing together, yep. Yep. yes, one is a rough
1: road, but it's a beautiful
0: road. I think divorce is a death.
1: Divorce is a death. You we're know, it's it's resurrection life. people, yeah, but divorce you, is a death. That's right. what you thought was going to be, you know, or and it's gone. Yeah. And also you've got these, you know, you can't have had all bad experiences with the person. You know, you wouldn't
0: have married them to start with. And it's just a it's a death. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it, Charlotte. It it, it doesn't mean that there's not life after death. It just but it's it's hard. And so Jesus is saying let's just let's not Again, I don't think Jesus is saying it's, you know, it's the end of your life or or it's certainly not going to keep you out of heaven, but let's do everything we can because mm-hmm. that's part of the heart. We're salt and light, right? All right, let's 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 keep going because we definitely got to get to the last one. Uh, I don't know. We have, we made it not spend too much time on the next two. We've got to get to the last one. You've heard it said that it was... Uh, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Now, this is... Um, Teaching, because this, you shall not bear false witness, is the commandment. But um, this is an extrapolation. But shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Again, that sounds pretty reasonable, doesn't it? I mean, that's... that's You shall have integrity to the things that you have sworn before the Lord. But I say to you, don't take an oath at all. Either by heaven, it's the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. If any of you have ever sworn by Jerusalem... I want to see you after class, right? Uh, and do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Just let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. Whoa. Uh, it just—I mean, it's, it's the teaching is promoting integrity, but actually, Jesus heightens the call to integrity by eliminating the entire practice of oath making. How many times have you said, or you heard somebody say something like, I, I swear to you, I swear on my mother's grave. I swear on the, I put my hand on the Bible and I say, like, it just... And Jesus says, don't do that. And, and here, as I've been thinking, I was thinking about this for this class, you're actually, my mom, my mom, mama, my mom is lot, but my mom's grave is not able to keep me from breaking the oath anymore. Just because I said it. But the shame in breaking the oath is now greater for me. Because I'm talking about my mama's grave. And Jesus, ultimately you're a person of your word or you're not. And if you, if you need to bolster your commitments by things that can't actually do anything, like a grave, then you're actually kind of admitting that you're not trustworthy. The issue, again, isn't the act of swearing, but it's our integrity as people who follow Jesus as salt and light, who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Just tell the truth. And then do what you say you're going to do. Don't make promises you can't keep. Be a trustworthy person. Why? Why does this matter to God? Why why would, why would Jesus pick this as one of the things? You can kind of understand why he picks the commandments. Character. Why about why is he talking about swearing? What? Character? Character? What else? Truth. Truth? Because what did Jesus say he is? Truth. He's the truth. the truth. Truth is part and parcel with our relationship with God. Because he is the truth. If we're gonna be following after him. We we got to be people of our word, not just because we're good people, but because we—he is the truth, right? And he's not so he's not just the truth externally, but internally in our you know. So we're that's really important. And I'm gonna I'm gonna skip on from there. Anybody any other thoughts or pushback or highlights on that? Verse thirty-eight. You heard that it was said, "An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth." You might know what that's called. My my teachers know what that's? Hammurabi's code. Remember that? Hammurabi's code. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So this was actually a teaching across multiple cultures, many cultures of, of the ancient Near East. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow. So Hammurabi's code, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, is not only a code that demands justice, but it actually res- res- restrains retaliation. Because if a, if a tooth has been taken from you, you are not to take more than one tooth. Because what do you want to do? Or what do I want to do? Somebody knocks out my one tooth, I want to take all their teeth, right? Somebody, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's what retaliation is. Somebody does something bad to you, you want to do uh, twice as much to them. That's that's called, you know, being a sibling, I think. Um, <laughs> but um, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth is actually a, a, a just system. It's not saying, it's not... Just demanding retribution—it's—it's it's restraining um, vengeance, I think. But Jesus yeah. seems to be saying, "Be a doormat." My yeah. slap you on the cheek? <laughs> Turn to the other one. Why is he saying this?
1: That's what he
0: did for us. That's what he did for us forgiveness he yes automatic forgiveness and he is sufficient somebody now listen I mean I teach my children if somebody hits you in the playground you need to step up and hit them back you know I you know I, that's it's probably you know I look y'all look at me in judgment the um, they, um, they you need to there's a sense in which they need to show their strength and I' They need to know who they are. But, as adults, when somebody hits us on the cheek of Jesus saying, we don't retaliate, we, we forgive. <coughs> I think for my boys, why wouldn't I teach them this from the beginning? Because if they, they're not giving up anything if they don't have, know the strength that they have. But we, as, and we know the strength that we have and we are to lay it down. I think, uh, to me at least you can push back on me but that's that's the um, that's the difference Jesus is sufficient and the meek will inherit the earth alright chew on that you've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy It makes good sense that's how the world works but I say to you love your enemies pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Remember when Jesus being nailed to the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Stephen, the martyr, uh, right before he dies, says, uh, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. If you love those who love you, big deal, everybody does that. What reward do you have for that? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. If by some miracle of uh, self um, you found a loophole in any of the other ones, the loophole has been closed. (laughs) Be perfect. As your Father in Heaven is perfect, isn't it interesting? The ethic of Jesus' love is not transactional. You've been good to me; I'm gonna be good to you. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I'll even extend the olive branch. But if you if you treat me wrong, I'm you better believe it's coming back. Eye for an eye, tooth for a two. No, the the ethic of Jesus' love is not transactional. It's sacrificial. It's pouring out perfection. Excuse me, is identified as loving our enemies. Not just ideologically, but actually. To actually love, maybe not in our own strength, but with the love of God, to actually love those who have cheated from us, cheated us or stolen from us. Those who have hurt us terribly or maligned our character. I mean, why would Jesus ask this? You have to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. You have to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. I'm happy to love my neighbor until he you know, runs his pickup truck into my uh, my fence and doesn't do anything about it. It's even in the Lord's Prayer that we all say. Say it again? It's even in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we give us. In the Lord's Prayer. right. Forgive so, us our trespasses. You're saying that you're not actually considering the reality of that. You're not asking really forgive us much to the That's right. We are to be people of forgiveness. Even in the moment. So thorough is your forgiveness that if somebody pops you on the, in the in the face, you're to forgive them. Love them. And I, again, it's it's pretty much impossible. <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, I, I think there are some godly people, and I, I don't know. I mean, in that I hadn't been hit in the face in a long time, and I hope that um, I hope that I would. But I know, that, man, sometimes, sometimes even even in, in my household, when you know somebody bumps into somebody else, you just that temper flares before that. There's that space, but there ought to be that space between the occurrence and my reaction. Where I can just take, I don't always catch myself. I wish I did. What you have heard it said is entirely reasonable and basically the way the world works. Because it's not hard to love those who love you. And it's reasonable to hate your enemies. That is a just teaching. Jesus takes us beyond mere justice to his divine character. That is the ethic of the cross if we are salt and light, if we are showing people what Jesus is like, and we are showing them there is something far beyond simply loving our, uh, those who love us. That we're actually willing to die for those who would hate us. And he says, he finishes up, be perfect. And that's not something that's lost in translation. I've looked it up many times trying to find some sort of loophole. There is none. Be perfect. And you can't be. And if that doesn't put us at the height of condemnation and at the height of recognizing that we need an intermediary, we need a Savior, we're not paying attention. There's no loopholes. We need a Savior. This is the law to the highest point. Yes. Uh, yes. Go ahead. Let's put this in a, co- a current context of uh, loving your enemies. Just assume somebody attacks us. we we'll not allowed to protect ourselves. By the law of the land, yes, you're allowed to protect yourself. law of the land? How about the law of Jesus? I would say that if your life is in danger... I mean, I I would. I would
1: too. If it betrays in your house and attacks your wife or child, you have to try to do something. That doesn't mean you hate the person. I would certainly
0: protect my family.
1: You have to do
0: something. I think if you are... I think think, and again, I'm not trying to find any loopholes here, but I, I, I think what we're talking about is someone who's treating you poorly. And, um... I think you can love your enemies but still protect yourself, can you? Am I, am I... Yes, but I'm not going to take... I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to return... If I'm doing it right, I'm not going to return violence with violence. I may find another way. It doesn't mean I'm not going to press charges. But I, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to try to have their best interests in mind, not to let them off the hook. It's complicated. It is. Yeah, look, at, <clears throat> look at what Japanese bomb pro are. Yeah. Mm. There's different concepts of it. It's not an emotional love. it's a choice you
1: have to make. And he's not talking about if somebody breaks in the house and attacks you. He's talking about your day to day blocks of what happens. And that's why some mothers get up there and their children have been murdered by somebody. They can stand up at the time they give their statement and say, I have chosen to forgive you. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, not an emotion physical you feel, it's a choice you have to make Your love is a choice.
0: Think about the Charleston 9 and uh, the Mother Emmanuel AME, and the guy, the kid yes. walks in there, yes. and they look at him in the eye and say, We forgive you, you need Jesus. I mean, that's that I think is is what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, do they need to wrestle that kid to the ground or somebody, you know, do everything? Yes, of course. They're still accountable for it. Absolutely. Do I, want law, do I think law enforcement is wrong to? You know, pop them back? No, not at all. But I, I I think that um I I it's it's complicated, but Jesus is trying to get to our hearts. Are we people of forgiveness? shows some of his emotions. Yeah. The money changers. Yeah, right. yeah. All right, I've gotta to go to church. I'm gonna let you you're know, well Kay would like to facilitate the rest of the discussion. And um I gotta to go to church. Love you. See you next week. We're going to talk about, um, I think it's the first, I don't know, 15 or 18. We'll put it out in the e-, e news, the first 15 or 18 verses of chapter 6. Is it wrong to say to somebody that wrong? Or is it prideful to say,
1: this is because I'm a Christian and I'm called? Can you, you want to verbalize that? Uh, rather than be, have somebody